You are listening to the Special Needs Mom Podcast. This is Kara, your host, and I am so glad you're here. Before we get into this episode, I want you to know that Pathway to Peace, which is a group coaching program, is currently available to join. This program is built on three main pillars. First, coaching. It's the real powerhouse. It's what I do. It's what I love. Second, community. And if you've been around for a little bit more than a minute, you know how I feel about community and the power that it has to heal and change your life. And lastly, I have a library of content filled with resources, with modules, with lessons. We go way deeper than I can go in on the podcast. And these are available to you in a way that you can consume them in your busy life. This program would be a good fit for you if you've stabilized past the point of initial diagnosis and find yourself spending a little bit more than you'd like to in overwhelm. And you can't imagine how, given all the things in your life, you can have any sort of peace ever again. Through the program, you will gain the gift of acceptance. You will do the work to recover your spark. You'll leave the program with the tools and the confidence that you have what you need to have joy and peace part of your life once again. So it's time to change it up. I know you've been saying yes to everybody, especially serving with all your heart and everything you have to your child. Now it's time to say yes to you. Find the link in the show notes to get more information and for next steps. Hi, I'm Kara, life coach, wife, and mom to four incredible and unique children. It wasn't all that long ago that my son received a diagnosis that had my world come crashing down. I lacked the ability to see past the circumstances, which felt impossible, and the dreams I once had for my life and family felt destroyed. Fast forward past many years of surviving and not at all thriving, And you'll see a mom who trusts that she can handle anything that comes her way and has access to the power and confidence that once felt so lacking. I created the Special Needs Mom podcast to create connection and community with moms who find themselves feeling trapped and with no one who really understands. My intention is to spark the flare of possibility in your own life and rekindle your ability to dream. This isn't a podcast about your special needs child. This is a podcast about you. If you are a mom who feels anxious, alone, or stuck, then you are in the right place. Welcome. Hello and welcome to the Special Needs Mom Podcast. I'm happy to be with you here on episode 105. Before we get into the bulk of today's episode, I want to make a very special and exciting announcement. And that is, I alluded to it couple weeks ago, months ago, I'm not sure. But it's something I've been working on for a very, very long time for y'all. And it is the next iteration of the coaching program that I offered last year. As many of you know that I've been along here for a while, last year took a lot of twists and turns for me personally. And while hosting the coaching groups was one of the most beautiful points of stability in terms of just having that regularity and kind of that consistency in my life. And it was amazing to see how it served other people. Also, 
my year required me to take a little step back and just actually serve myself, take care of myself. And so it was a little bit for me until I was ready to offer this again. And good news is that time away really allowed me to up-level it. Honestly, I was working on it this weekend. It's so amazing. So it's going to be so much all at one time. It's community. It's coaching. It's content. It's support. It's respite. Maybe not like in the physical sense, but in the emotional sense. Yes, definitely. I'm not going to give all the details here because there's a lot to share, but I am just opening the doors. It's going to be starting October. And so if you want to be a founding member, I have special early bird bonuses that I'm going to be doing. What you'll want to do is just reach out to schedule a consult, quick conversation, one to get to know each other, but really to, to see if the group is the right structure for you for getting what you want. So I really look forward to the next steps with you and it's going to be amazing. So that's my announcement. Now I thought I'd do a quick personal update um, and actually, you know, maybe ask the community for some prayer. So this Friday is my son's next scan. And again, if, if you're new here, you will not have heard the journey last year, which included multiple new diagnoses of multiple recurrence of his cancer. So that was rough, I will say that. And we, in many ways, moved past that this year in the summer, I should say. But in many ways, we're still very much in it. And these scans really presents me to what could be. And as you know, our brains go really overactive in thinking about these things and predicting them and trying to protect us. So what I notice is that I have a lot more nerves going into this MRI than I ever have with any MRI before. I would love the support of prayer and just coming around of each other, in this case, me, in this circumstance. So thanks in advance for that. Okay, let's get on to the topic of the day. You might remember back to episode 103, where this kind of a sister episode. In that episode, we talked about being a victim or kind of coming from that victim mindset. And so this is the part two to that. It certainly can stand on its own. So if you haven't listened to that episode, no worries. I would just keep listening. And then if you're intrigued, go back and listen to that one. But they do definitely support one another. So kind of just in a quick review, episode 103 really talks about what I call being at effect or kind of a victim mindset. Usually we'll we'll know that we're in this place because we'll feel like we have little or no power. And we relate to the stuff that happens in a way that just leaves us feeling very, very stuck. I'm positive that many of you have been here many times. Same here. We're going to look at the other side of that. If you consider this a spectrum, that's one side of the spectrum. Today, we're going to look at the other side of the spectrum. And what language I use for this, I use being responsible. And this is not like I pay my bills on time kind of responsible. It's really relating to it in a way that has you be the one, the one in charge. Or also, in some ways, I say at cause, 
right? So you can kind of look at the contrast. One is being at effect, something happens to you. And the other one is at cause, where you are actually the causal agent of what happens. One of the reasons I decided to do this episode is because it is so common for moms to come to me and express that they just feel so desperately out of control. And of course they do. That's what it feels like when we're relating to the things that happen without awareness. And I'm going to go into that a little bit more because I know that that does not necessarily offer a lot of support just yet. So let's look at actually what might make you feel in control. It's kind of the question we're answering today. Most of us automatically think, if you're going to answer that question, you think, okay, well, if blank wasn't so, then I would feel differently. We're looking at the circumstance or the thing that happened as the causal agent for how we feel now and also relying on it to change for us to feel better. Some examples are, if my child was well, I would feel better. If my husband would help, I would feel relieved. If the school would listen, if the doctors knew how to help. So you can see these are all things I'm certain that come up in our community, but we have zero ability to impact any of them. We can't make our husbands do anything. Trust me, I've tried. (laughs) Just kidding. I mean, not kidding. I actually have tried, but it didn't work. And I still keep trying. So imagine that. If it's not the circumstances that actually have you feel any certain way, what is it? It's your mind. It's a very simple answer. I realize that. It's simple yet very complex. So we're going to go into it in more detail. So one of the skills that is so important to be able to develop is the skill of distinguishing between facts and interpretations. I also call facts circumstances or events. And then we can use a lot of different words for interpretation, story, thought, etc. So I use those all interchangeably. So if we think about circumstances, events, facts, those are going to be things like anything that isn't changeable or is in the past. Facts are words people actually said or things that actually happened. Let me give some examples. Your child has autism. This could be a fact because you would have a document from a professional with that diagnosis. Another fact could be your child is in the hospital. You see how really no one can say no, they're not. (laughs) I'm using somewhat obvious ones. Here's one that actually gets a little slippery. You got three hours of sleep. In this one, in some cases, I would say you can prove that. You could say, well, I sleep with an Apple watch on and it told me I had three hours of, of sleep. Okay, great. That's a fact. But this one actually comes up with one of my kids a lot. He's like, I just didn't sleep good last night. He's like, I just was awake all night. And you know, I've walked by his room a number of times and like he's snoring. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm pretty sure he was asleep. If you can confirm by way of actual scientific evidence that you got three hours of sleep, great. That's a fact. If you can't, if it's just your guess, then I would go for actually saying you were in your bed for three hours. That's a fact. A fact could be something like an email that comes from school and says, your child hit his teacher, slammed the door, and gave them the bird. (laughs) That's a fact. So we have these things that happen, circumstances, 
And then immediately after them, we have our interpretations. And so I'm going to use these same examples over and over again to illustrate what we're looking at today. So for the fact your child is diagnosed with autism, one of your interpretations, and I obviously just made these up, could be my child will suffer. For the example, my child is in the hospital. One interpretation could be my child could die. For the you got three hours of sleep, one interpretation could be I didn't get enough sleep. For the email from school that says your child hit the teacher, slammed the door, and gave him the bird, (laughs) the interpretation could be, oh shit, I don't know what to do. Another fact I came up with is daily meltdowns, three therapy appointments a week, yelled at kids. Okay, those that could be your circumstance. You could be looking back at your life and be like, this is my life. And the interpretation I came up for that, that I thought y'all would resonate with, is I can't do this anymore. So my guess is when I read some of those, you felt like, no, Kara, that actually is a fact. So one of the things that we really want to watch for when we're creating awareness is thoughts that feel like facts. The one that I think could be really easy to do this with is I can't do this anymore. In a conversation, when I'm talking with someone, when they are under the influence of that interpretation, they will be so high in their belief of that interpretation that it will occur as a fact to them. They'll have reasons. They'll tell me, well, Kara, these are the reasons I can't do this anymore. And that's totally fine. But what we want to just notice is that just because we have reasons why we think something doesn't necessarily make it a fact. And it obviously doesn't make it true. It doesn't make it wrong either. Things that a lot of us confuse as we're determining and distinguishing facts from thoughts is what other people think. So the example I came up with for this is the doctor thinks I'm not doing enough or the therapist or whoever. The doctor might even say, what else have you done? Or did you do everything we talked about last time? And based on the doctor saying those words, your quick interpretation might be the doctor thinks I'm not doing enough. And you might say, well, Kara, the intonation of their voice indicated that they felt disappointed or the way that they move their face made me think this, that they are disappointed or that they have this thought about me. And maybe they do have the thought. I have no idea. What the point is, though, is what the doctor thinks is their business. It's not ours. And when we go and make an interpretation about somebody else's thought, it usually doesn't support us. It usually has a negative spin. Not always. Sometimes we can use this in our favor. But I would say we really have to watch for this because then that will occur to you as fact. And when we mix these things up is when we end up feeling completely out of control and stuck. Okay, so in quick review, stuff happens and we interpret it. We make up stories, we come to conclusions, 
And then based on these stories, we feel certain ways. The concept here is that our interpretation creates our feelings. Now, the really important note to distinguish here is that it's not our circumstances that create our feelings. This becomes very important. I mean, I referenced it earlier in the episode, but this becomes very important because as most of you already know, all of you already know, we can't change circumstances. We can't go back in time and change what happened. We can't go back in time and unsay something or have somebody unsay something to us. We can't go do treatments over. They happened. So let's actually look at our examples again and look at how the trickle down effect works, right? So it goes from a fact creates interpretations or an interpretation. It's really helpful to just isolate and decide on just one. And then from that interpretation, there's a feeling. So fact, your child is diagnosed with autism. Interpretation, my child will suffer. Your feeling, sad. Child is in the hospital. Interpretation, my child could die. Feeling, afraid. Fact, you got three hours of sleep. Interpretation, I didn't get enough sleep. Feeling, desperate. Email from school, the interpretation, oh shit, I don't know what to do. Confused. Fact, daily meltdowns, three appointments a week, yelled at kids. Interpretation, I can't do this anymore. Feeling, insufficient. I want to say it again. We often think it's the circumstance that dictates our feeling, but there's always an interpretation in between. And it might be obvious, but usually those are subconscious. We're not aware at the time that we feel a certain way because we have a specific thought. It's really only when we're reflecting, when we're observing, when we're getting curious about what's going on in our lives. The main point of the episode is it's us, it's not the thing. Okay, but a little caution here, because immediately after we say it's us, it's very likely that some of you will go to blame, to blame yourself for then being responsible for why you don't feel good. So that's not the point of this episode. And I would say actually that is an example of becoming a victim because then you're becoming a victim of yourself. Just notice a lot of us, when we first start to do awareness work, we first start to see what's happening and why we're feeling certain ways and why we're stuck in certain places, we jump to judgment and say, we shouldn't be this way. It seems like a problem. I really want to caution you to that so that if you feel like energetically, this is not helpful, it's likely that you're judging or blaming yourself. I want to also mention that just because we cognitively know that we can't change circumstances, that doesn't stop some of us from trying. I mean, I joked earlier about the husband stuff, <laughs> but it also comes up when we're trying to support our children. When we're trying to fix our child, 
from an energy that if only the child was better, then I would be better. That is often as trying to change the circumstance. And it's so slightly different from us actually being fully empowered about supporting our child. Sometimes it's hard to distinguish the difference, but there is a distinct difference in the energy of fixing rather than supporting or serving. The way you'll know the difference is it'll feel better. And from fixing, likely you'll become more exhausted and you'll become more hopeless because you're trying to change the circumstance. I mean, you get the idea here, right? When we're trying to do something that's literally impossible, it's not surprising that a lot of us feel exhausted and hopeless. So when you kind of step back, it actually makes so much sense of why some of us feel the way that we do. Another point here about when we become responsible is just because we become aware of something, we're able to see and distinguish the thoughts that we're having that are creating our experience. It doesn't necessarily mean that we should change them. In some cases, we actually very much want to have beliefs that lead to what we'll call unpleasant feelings. So an example is when my child is sick, that's a circumstance. I think something along the lines of it's not going to be okay. Then I feel scared. What's interesting about that thought is I might want to change it a little bit, but actually don't want to feel awesome when my child's sick. I may not want to feel scared. So there might be some, some room there, but it would be really odd to have somebody feeling exuberant when their child was in the hospital. It just doesn't make sense, right? And so just like when we're watching a sad movie, we want to actually feel the expression of sadness. We actually want to have these experiences when we are going through hard times with our kids. So I just want to put this in there because just because we learn the differences between being at cause and being at effect, doesn't necessarily mean that there is a right answer or a right way to shift to. It's all about becoming aware. And when we become aware, we have access to choice. That's all this is about. What do we do with this information? Like I said earlier, it's a skill to be able to distinguish fact from interpretation. We can't see, it's like we can't see what we can't see sometimes. So this is actually where getting support from another human being is really, really helpful. Practice does really help, but this is essentially what coaching is and what coaching does. So, of course, it's a shameless plug for coaching. The another thing that really helps in support of something like coaching is actually writing down your thoughts, like just stream of consciousness, writing things down. I call them thought downloads. The reason why is then we can actually look at our thoughts and we can observe them, we can notice them, and actually we can distinguish, okay, out of all these things, what are the facts? And what you'll be surprised to notice is there's probably very few, if any, facts that come out of your mind when you're just doing a download. But it's really, really helpful to distinguish what the fact is, because that allows you to actually get to neutral, to not having a fixed interpretation on anything. What do we do is we learn to tell ourselves new stories And this is what's called being a cause. 
we shift our relationship to the thing. We're going to use the examples. Okay. So for the fact of your child is diagnosed with autism, a alternative interpretation could be my child is meant to be this way. Feeling accepting. Okay. For the fact child is in the hospital. One interpretation could be my child needs help. Feeling determined. For the fact you got three hours of sleep. A couple thoughts for this I came up with is one, I need to ask for help. Or my body has more energy than I give it credit for. So from this, you might feel curious or you might feel sufficient. For the one about the email from school, one interpretation could be something is missing on his support team. I need to find out what it is. Maybe the thought is commitment or maybe it's persistent. So a feeling is actually just an experience, a set of sensations in your body. Everybody's going to be different. And then we have all these words for them like committed or persistent or curious. And that's just just labeling the activation inside of our body. Okay. For the fact, daily meltdowns, three therapy appointments a week and yelled at kids. An interpretation I came up with is I need to change something. This isn't working. The feeling curious. Do you see how these interpretations they don't change anything about the fact. But it's simply actually creating a new relationship to it, one that gives you access to feeling differently, which is what gives you access to doing things differently. So another note, when we're all up in our feelings, when we haven't processed our own emotions, feeling really, really angry or feeling really sad, it's very hard, I'm going to almost say impossible, to do the work of shifting. It's like when we fight with our nervous system, we always lose. And when our nervous system is triggered, as in emotional escalation, angry, mad, afraid, any of that, it's going to be very hard to shift. Your opportunity in those moments is to process your emotion. You don't have to change anything or change your relationship to anything during that time. And this can take A long time, process a lot of emotion or a lot of series of emotion, or it can be in a moment. A lot of times we get stuck in not being able to shift because we're holding on to something. Sometimes we're holding on to what was done that was wrong. And for everybody, it's going to be different things that we're holding on to. But oftentimes when we actually are willing to take a look, we notice that we are holding on to that thing. And this is when the choice to be at cause really becomes important. When we are aware that we're holding on to something, we have a choice of letting it go. And I realize it sounds maybe too simplistic, And I realized maybe it sounds too good to be true. And I would just say, it's not magic. It's work, right? This is actually work and it takes effort and work to do this. But I would say that it's worth it. 
and we won't get it on the first try. It's about showing up and being curious. How do we put this awareness into action? So the first step is to process your emotion, is to allow your emotion to be in your body without restricting or holding it back, without judging it. This is a physical experience. It's not a mental exercise. And when we've allowed it to process, we'll have access to some things we didn't have before. Because when we're holding that in, it really takes a lot of energy. And we're just not like, if you think about it, it actually continues to have us be escalated, which, like I said earlier, like it's really hard to do this work when we are, from a regulatory standpoint, not available for it. Okay. So after we process the emotion, we get to step back and ask ourselves powerful questions. Questions can be like, what am I responsible for? What's my role in this? What do I want to happen? What are my other options? And you'll know that you're coming from a being of responsibility because you'll feel better. Not better like, yay, everything's amazing and you just feel amazing right now. (laughs) But you won't feel stuck. You'll be taking action. You won't just be in the energy of complaining. You won't blame. You won't make excuses. You may not feel light. It may not feel easy. But you'll have access to what you need to move forward. It's almost like I want you to consider that this just creates an opening for the next step. And we can't see the next step when we're like blinded by the constrictions of victimhood. Other things I just thought I would use it as examples to look at what does it look like when we're being at cause? We have hard conversations. We ask for what we want. Now, Special note here that just because we ask, we may not get what we want, but the willingness to ask and then to not stop when the first request is not accepted, that's being a cause. We don't get attached to how. A lot of times when we think we know how to get something done, like let's just say like, okay, my son needs a one-on-one aid all day, every day. That would be an example of If I see that as the only option for my son to have success at school, then I will not be able to actually hear and entertain counterproposals from the school that may be better solutions than I had even thought of. They may not be, but they may. And when we can actually unattach to how something's going to get done and attach to the commitment, which is to fully support my son. It just gives us so many more options. Other ways we act when we are at cause, not assuming what other people will say. So it's like asking the question and letting them say what they're going to say. You're telling the truth. When we're at cause, we tell the truth. We're honest. And we're just empowered by our own results. We're not intimidated or weighed down by that. It just feels less restrictive, but we have a freedom to act. So those are some examples. And as we wrap up this episode, I want to just have a last note on being 
a being of responsibility and at cause, is sometimes it feels very confronting. In fact, oftentimes when I'm really triggered by something or really upset about something, it's really hard to look at the mirror and do the work that has me become fully responsible for something. It's just confronting. But it's confronting in a way that is really valuable. But it's normal and natural to want to avoid it. And so with all of this information, you might decide you're not ready. You're not ready to let go of some of the thoughts and beliefs that you are currently in that has you feeling stuck. Neither one of these, I just want to point this out because sometimes it can look like, oh my gosh, you're supposed to be this way and not this way. Neither one is right or wrong. So being a victim is not necessarily a right way to be and responsibility is not necessarily right or wrong either. I'm sure we can think of opportunities and circumstances where we look at the relationship and that is a victim. There's certainly places where we actually want to stay the victim, be that that's empowering to actually be the victim of something versus being responsible for it. Okay. I think of things like horrific things like rape or being abused, right? I don't think it's valuable to shift into full responsibility for that. Okay. So just an example of like why neither one of these are right or wrong. This is purely an awareness tool. When you feel a certain way that you don't like feeling and it's not a valuable feeling. And the way I describe a valuable feeling is it's not producing a result that you like in your life. Even sadness, I would argue, is producing a result that you would like if you were given a choice. Okay. So you get to decide what to do with this awareness. And if you have any questions, if there's any parts that you wonder more about, I would love to hear from you. I would love to actually, this would be really fun. I mean, this is what we do in coaching. So obviously I love it. But if you have a fact or a circumstance that you are wondering if it's actually a fact or circumstance, or if there's something that you feel really stuck on, let's look at it. Let's actually see if we can distinguish the fact and your interpretation. And again, sometimes we're so attached to the story that we have that even though somebody else can see it as a pure circumstance, we can't see it. And so I have really helpful tools to be able to get access to actually getting to the point where you can recognize, okay, actually, this is my interpretation. And that means I have other options. I don't have to keep the story if it's not serving me. Okay, well, let's wrap that episode here. And don't forget to reach out to schedule your consult for the new and improved group coaching program that is yet to be named. That's on my list later this week. All right, we'll see you on the next episode. One more thing before we officially, officially wrap up this show. Sometimes when I'm listening to podcasts, I have the experience of wanting more. I'm listening at the very end thinking, I sure wish that episode didn't end. I invite you, if you feel in any way the same way, I invite you to the Special Needs Mom podcast community, which is a free group that I host on Facebook, where we as a community of fellow moms who listen to this podcast and are experiencing life 
in similar shoes, get to talk to one another, get to share stories, get to actually interact. I hope you'll consider joining. See you over there.